have a fascination with excavation, like excavating the old ruins of maybe Rome or over in Israel of the Bible times, the excavation that's gone on where they have discovered cities and so forth. Now, if not that, perhaps you're old enough to remember the, all the hoopla and the huge event that was made out of Geraldo Rivera opening the vault of Al Capone. You remember that? I mean, this was a big deal. This was back in 1986, so this was a while ago. And uh, they made a big TV production out of it, Geraldo. They were going to dig up the, the uh, vault and open the vault of Al Capone. Some 30 million people tuned into this. This was as big a deal as a Super Bowl Sunday, 1986. And you know what they found? Virtually nothing. Some liquor bottles. All Geraldo could do in the moment is hold his head in his hands. The workmen that had done all this work of chiseling and hammering, I mean, they had to jackhammer cement and rock to get to this vault. The workmen and all of the TV crew went out and got drunk. I mean, everybody was just so disappointed. And, and I wonder if the word of Ecclesiastes, the first chapter in verse 3 comes to mind. To everything there is a season. There is a time to every purpose under heaven. And it just might be that the season you're in, regardless of what's been made of it, and how much expectation there was going into it, and what you thought and believed would happen, hasn't panned out the way you expected it to. What happens to us during the change of seasons when things don't go the way that we thought they should. How do we navigate those times? I uh, took the dogs on a walk earlier this week, something uh, I do commonly and something that you are the recipient of those great times in the Bible with the Spirit of God when God speaks to me <laughs> out on these walks. I'm sitting at a lake and I decided to go down on the grass next to the lake and I was right in front of this tree that was gnarled and bent the leaves were turning and out on the water there were ducks and geese a number of the geese came up close to the shore and we were able to watch them. The dogs were interested. I watched the water and the sun and all that was going on at this lake. 
And I began to be totally aware in that moment of my humanity. Because I thought about that gnarled tree. It didn't look normal. It didn't look like the kind of tree I expected. It was bent. The bark wasn't handsome. It was gnarled. The leaves were dropping. You say, well, it's fall. Leaves fall in the fall. I, I know, but I even thought, why are there four seasons? Why can't every tree be beautiful? And why can't the leaves stay up and vibrant and alive all year? And why do the geese leave and go somewhere warmer? And why? Actually, I'm, I'm glad they do for a season because those geese in this part just, I mean, <laughs> there are times during the summer I cannot navigate the pathways through this park because they're full of goose poop. We just don't go. <laughs> so, you know, there's a time, there's a season for everything, but I, I was looking out on the water and I was watching all of this. And I was thinking, painfully aware of my seeming insignificance in relationship to time and history. I started wondering, how long had that tree been there? How many times, how many seasons had those leaves fallen and hit the ground and nobody noticed? What about those geese? When they fly away, where are they going to go? Will they make it there? Or will they die from the pellets of a hunter's shotgun? And if mom is killed shortly after birth, giving birth, what becomes of the little ducklings, geeselings, goslings? Hey, you know, that's one of the things, that's one of the beauties of having been in ministry for over 30 years as I have, and being at the age I am, that when you all correct me like that, it just, it's kind of warm now, and, and giving back. I know you're listening. You know, that's, that's my response now. It used to offend me, used to get my dander up, you know, used to, oh, come on. And in that moment, sitting there on that grass and watching all of this happening and wondering about the seasons and what if and time, I began to be very aware and even question the validity of my own personal story and calling. What is the real purpose, Jeff? for you getting up tomorrow morning. Now, these questions can be particularly acute in our lives when we've experienced great loss, divorce, death of a family member, failure of a dream or of obtaining goals that we wanted to reach. Or when there's been significant change, 
Perhaps your career has abruptly changed. You've been fired, a very close friend whose relationship you've relied on for years moves away. Suddenly you have a health complication. There's many things that can suddenly change and cause us to enter, not of our own doing, not of our request, a new season. And that's not comfortable. In fact, a lot of times it's very hard. And navigating that is something the Lord wants us to know how to do. There's a Hebrew word that has very interesting meaning and pertinence to all of this when we study it. It's the word for, a very common word, reveal. The Hebrew word for reveal is gala. Everybody say it aloud. Gala. Now, you won't remember that between now and when you get to the car. I bring it up uh, because I needed something to do and say at this moment. No, not uh, because I wanted you to know that these issues, these things, this uncovering, this revealing, this, this change of seasons has been going on on this planet and in, in the life of humans since there's been humanity. What you and I are experiencing is not new and that helps me because it gives me perspective. The apostle said, look, nothing you are experiencing has been specifically just pointed at you. Men and women all around you are both suffering the same thing and from ages past Men and women have suffered this same thing, been through these same circumstances, gone through these same temptations. So you pull yourselves up by your bootstraps and know that no temptation has taken you but what is common unto man. But God is faithful who will not suffer you to be tempted above what you are able, tested and tried above what you are able. But he will, with the test, with the trial, with the change of seasons, make a way for you to go through it. Say through it. Now, you said something very interesting a moment ago up here. That look what God has done and without our, all right, the, the word and the other piece of that was the word and... His, his word is working effectually, and in that moment, she asks, let's be quiet. Did you feel it? Did you hear it? She asked that intentionally, because the beautiful part of that when she said, and see, we didn't need to do anything, almost anything, very little, some of the terms that she used. And that's very true. In fact, really the only thing we need to do to stay abreast, to, to stay in that place where we're, 
where we're, when, when things are revealed, when we step into a different season where we can continue in God's favor, in God's hand upon our lives and experience it, is to simply be aware. That's our work. That's my part. To be aware that the Father is there. To be aware that He's never left me. To be aware that He's with me in the season. To be aware that His hand is there walking me through this. And He will give me wisdom. He will give me insight. He will make me aware. He will reveal. Now, listen. Gala. To uncover, to remove, to go into exile, nakedness, and to lay bare. Those are all definitions for the Hebrew word reveal. Again, to uncover, to remove, to go into exile, nakedness, nakedness, and to lay bare. I felt that definition sitting by that lake. Those thoughts and those feelings because of the season I was in emotionally, spiritually, psychologically were real to me. Those words were real to me. And actually throughout the Old Testament, this word reveal normally has a negative connotation. Often a prophetic or prophetically judgmental manner in which it comes across. So in Leviticus, it is used exclusively in relationship to the sin of shamefully uncovering somebody's nakedness. And it's used more in Leviticus than any other place in the Bible, the word reveal. Isn't that interesting? In Jeremiah, the second place in all of Scripture where this word reveal is used the, the most in Jeremiah and the prophets, almost always this word is used in relationship to the prophetic judgment of God that's going to come on the nation of Israel through exile. I am going to reveal, I am going to exile you. Now, these definitions are not bringing me peace. <laughs> I'm sitting at the lake and I'm wondering about my own validity, my own worth in relationship to time and history. And if, if you stay in that place, you can get very burdened. You can get very down. You can become very negative. And, and indeed, this word reveal throughout the Old Testament is most normally very negative. You'll remember when Adam and Eve first discovered that they were naked, the scripture, the word there is uncovered. That's how we translate it. They fell into what? Shame, guilt, introspection. They immediately saw themselves, felt themselves distant from the Lord, and they hid. That was the result of this Hebrew word reveal. They were revealed. They were uncovered. They were exiled. Imagine Adam and Eve in that moment. And it led this uncovering of them 
led to the human attempt to cover and to hide due to their shame, distance, and fear. Imagine the painful loss of significance they felt. Imagine that their hope for the future and in the future, future was lost. Imagine the personal purpose that they once had now had melted away. Imagine the pain, the guilt they felt of living separate now from the Creator who had blessed them and put them there. Don't you know they felt all of those things? And there was for the first time in all of creation an overwhelming sense in Adam and Eve of loneliness, sadness, grief, and shame. They felt all of that. And I found myself by the lakeside plugging in to that, revealing that uncovering, that change of seasons. Perhaps you've been in that space. Perhaps you've been walking through those circumstances recently in your own life. And yet, in the midst of all of this, God brings Adam and Eve a promise in chapter 3 and verse 15 when he tells them prophetically that the Christ is going to come and he's going to defeat the enemy through their lineage. And then prophetically, God begins to speak into the circumstances of your nakedness. Prophetically, God begins to speak into the circumstances of their grief and their loneliness and this change of season. And listen to what happens in Isaiah 7 and verse 14. Jeff, show it. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Listen carefully. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and she will call his name Emmanuel, which means, say it, God with us. I don't care what you're going through. God is with you. Now, I care. You understand. It's an idiom, a phraseology. I don't care what it is you're experiencing, what depth of grief you're going through, how much you've questioned your purpose, and why do I get up tomorrow morning? God sends his word prophetically and makes a promise. He is with you. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 and 7. For to us a child shall be born. To us a son shall be given. Read it aloud with me going on. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. There shall be no end to the increase of his government and peace. He shall rule on the throne of his of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and righteousness from that time forward and forevermore. Watch this. And the zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish it. Maybe you circumstantially are sitting out by a lake and you're noticing the twisted tree and you're seeing the leaves fall and you're wondering what's going to happen to the geese when they leave the water and you're wondering why I get up tomorrow morning and God shouts prophetically into your circumstances and says I never leave you I never forsake you 
I am sending you the Christ. I am going to deliver you. And my zeal, my passion for you is going to perform this. You see, what Adam lost by believing a lie is restored and resurrected in us by believing in Jesus. Is that up there, Jeff? Could we just read it aloud? Say it real loud. What Adam lost by believing a lie is restored and resurrected in us by believing on Jesus. So watch this now. The word reveal also means to discover, to disclose, to reveal secrets. And while its use in the Old Testament is overwhelmingly negative, its equivalent in the New Testament is filled with excitement, intrigue, and revelation of God's goodness. It's here in the New Covenant that we find the great revelation of God's story and his nature. And what is it? The equivalent of reveal in the Hebrew, in the New Testament, in the Greek, it's the word mystery. Mystery. Here it is on the screen. The word mysterion. And here's an example of its use in the New Testament. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 2. For one who speaks in a tongue, talking about the gift of speaking in tongues does not speak to men, but to God, for no one understands. But in his spirit, he speaks mysteries. Another translation says secrets. Dear ones, do you realize that, see, with, with man, a secret is knowledge withheld. But with God, a secret is knowledge revealed. When God speaks in mysteries to us, when God speaks in secrets to us through His Word, through His Spirit, He's revealing Himself. He's never covering and hiding Himself. Covering and hiding and shame and a sense of guilt and a loss of purpose and a not want to get out of bed tomorrow morning is all a result of a fall. It's believing a lie. We believed a lie. Humanity has believed a lie because of our first parent, our parent, Adam, and how he succumbed to the lie of the enemy. And for how many ages have we been believing the same lie that Satan sells us, that we're not good enough, that God has left, and God won't come back, until you do enough of the right things on this list, generally called the Bible, by the way, and you get good enough and right enough to deserve, God says, no, that's a lie of the enemy. That's what they believed. That's what Adam and Eve believed in the garden, that they weren't already like me, that they were, weren't already enough like me, and they believed the lie. But the greatest uncovering of all is actually found in the Pauline Gospel. Watch this. Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 9. And to bring to light what is the administration of the, say it, 
mystery, which for ages has been hidden in God who created all things. Now we already know that in God, mystery isn't a secret kept from you. It's knowledge revealed. So watch this. Colossians chapter 1, verse 26 and 27. That is... The mystery which has been hidden from past ages and generations, but has now been manifested to his saints, to whom God willed to make known what is the riches of his glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is, say it, Christ in you, the hope of glory. This is the great uncovering, the revealing of our true self in Christ. This is what Paul preached. That no matter where you are in your season, God has not left you. This is what Paul preached. That no matter what your circumstances are telling you, God is in the middle of them, revealing, speaking, bringing you into moments where you can tell he's still with you, he's still speaking, he still loves you, he's still delighted over you, and in your darkest hour, he will bring you through. He will bring you through. He will bring you through. The zeal of the Lord shall perform it. Hallelujah. Francois Dutrois, author of the Mirror Bible, said it very well this week in a tweet and and on his Facebook account. Listen, I quote, Agree with God about you. In the midst of contradictions, this is not what some would call a denial of your true feelings. Everyone experiences hurt and frustration and all the negative emotions that one can imagine. The freedom from depression lies not in denial, but in acknowledging the greater reality of the life of your design now redeemed in Christ. You have a much more legitimate and valid reference to rejoice in the midst of the greatest onslaught than what you have in feelings that would seek to drag you into their energy field and snare you with their clutches. Become familiar with the truth as it is mirrored in Christ and confirmed in you. End quote. Is that not powerful? Philemon chapter 1 and verse 6, we have it on the screen. I pray for you that the faith we share may effectively deepen your understanding of every good thing that belongs to you in Christ. Colossians chapter 2 verse 2. This really summarizes our message tonight that their hearts may be encouraged, having been knit together in love and attaining to all the wealth that comes from the full assurance of understanding, resulting in a true knowledge of God's mystery, that is, Christ himself. You know why I'm going to get up tomorrow morning? Not because everything's going okay. Not because the bank account is full or empty. 
Not because everything in my body is functioning just the way I'd like it to or that it did when I was 20. It might not be yet. (laughs) I'm not going to rise tomorrow because there's a new car sitting in the driveway or the house payments are all made and the house is paid off or because uh, the job that I've had for five years is guaranteed to me for the next 30 and everything's great. And oh, by the way, I'll be getting a bonus and an increase each year. With, with, it's in my contract, undeniable. It's not based on any of those assurances of this life. It's based on one thing. You are in Christ. Christ is in you. And you have a story to share. I was at Bingo two weeks ago on a Tuesday. Started chatting it up with a couple of ladies. The Spirit of the Lord spoke to me and gave me two words for one of them and said, Ankle and Tom. Later in the evening, I... The Lord opened the opportunity for me to share. I I went up to them and I I said to the one, I said, you know, the Lord's just given me a word of encouragement. He he does that sometimes in our walk with Jesus where he gives us something for somebody. And I want to tell you what it is. It might not mean a lot to you. It's really just two words, ankle and Tom. And then it just started flowing, you know. The word of wisdom and the word of knowledge just started flowing. And I explained more about that. I didn't have it prior to starting the conversation with her. I didn't have their meaning. But the Lord, you know, his assurance came. The Lord, who is zealous over our lives, began to flow. And the word of wisdom and knowledge began to flow as a result that it's God in me, it's Christ in me, it's the Holy Spirit in me. It's not my goodness. It's not what I can do to deserve it. It's Christ in me. I get up tomorrow morning because I am in Christ, and Christ is in me. And Christ wanted to bless that woman at bingo. Imagine that, at bingo. God wanted to bless a lady, and I was just a vessel. It was Christ in me that wanted to do that for her. Guess what? She, she walked away blessed and happy and excited and wants to come to the church. I'm standing at the cashier's counter at Costco on Friday. I'm about done with my checking out, and I'm turning to get my things in the basket. And she, this lady, this lady that I gave the word, is standing there. She says, remember me? And she's got a huge smile on her face. She works there. She's one of the kiosk people that hand out the food and the taste me and, you know, the goodies at the kiosks at Costco. I didn't know that. I didn't know that. And I asked her, how's Tom? (laughs) How's your ankle been? Ankle and foot have been fine. Tom, Tom's being good. Tom Tom is, everything seems to be fine with, but I know he's under a lot of stress. I said stress is something that you can change and bless him in by speaking words of life over him. So let that be that prophetic word of 
preemptive love and joy that you speak over him so that he comes to work filled, so that he comes to work with life and joy and power and isn't under the... I'm speaking all of this to her there at Costco. The Lord's giving me more for Tom through her. See? I don't think we have a slide of this. So if you'd like me to email it to you later, let me know. God's uncovering and disclosure always leads us to a deeper understanding of who we are in Christ. Never into guilt, shame, condemnation, judgment, distance. The Lord's far from me. My prayers just seem to be bouncing off of the ceiling. Have you ever said that? Boy, just my prayers. I don't know why. You know, for the last week, the last month, last months, my prayers have just been bouncing off the ceiling. That is a feeling you might have. It is not the truth of Christ in you, the hope of glory. God's uncovering, God's disclosure in our life always leads us to a deeper understanding of who we are in Christ. Never to a place of loss and shame.